0: Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Wood of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. And I want to read to you out of James chapter 5. I'm just doing a one-off message today. If you're taking notes, you can write it down later. But the title of my message is, Hello? Is Anybody There? And I'm talking about praying prayers that get God's attention. How to pray prayers that get God's attention. James chapter 5 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed. Everyone said he prayed. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again. Everyone say he prayed again. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain and the earth bore It's fruit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive and powerful. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that it's able to get into areas of our life and penetrate and bring supernatural change from the inside out. Lord, give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you're saying to your church, individually and collectively. I pray that you'd be in the room in a significant way. And Lord God, for those that are watching online, I pray you'd be in their room, in a significant way, move by your spirit. Let us leave better today than when we came in. We love you. Lord, we glorify you. We worship you. Lord, it's such a privilege to serve you and to be in your kingdom. And we ask your blessing upon us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you can be seated. So cool. Jesus had been ministering and... His schedule was uh, pretty powerful. He had the storm on the lake and he'd the storm. He'd been casting out demons from the man possessed for Gadarenes and a lot of stuff, a lot of action happening in Jesus' life. And people are gathering, crowds are gathering word about who Jesus was starting to spread uh, around the land. He's becoming, you know, a well-known figure throughout people, conversations happening. And so it's happening in the crowds all around the nation. And a a man by the name of Jairus has a daughter who's very ill. She's 12 years of age. So he hears about that and he makes his way, finds Jesus. So Jesus with the disciples and some other people, some of the other entourage there. And Jairus says to him, hey, my daughter is 12. She's very ill, but I know if you pray for her, that you can heal her. And will you come and pray for her? She's at 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 my house. And so Jesus like, sure, we'll do that. And so Jesus grabs the disciples, and again, some of the entourage, people that are with him, and he's walking down the street. Now, you can imagine the words getting out about... Jesus. And so people are starting to gather in and pack in around him as he's making his way to Jairus's house. In fact, the King James Bible uses the word press to describe uh, the situation. In other words, they're, they're packing in like sardines. They're, they're, they're very close. So I, I don't think Jesus necessarily moving real fast through the crowd as people are just packing in the disciples more than likely, you know, holding on to him, standing real close. So no, one can you know hurt him or anything like that and so Jesus is moving and the crowd is packed in around him and he's going to Jairus's house for one objective he's going to go and pray for this girl and people are talking buzz going around dust on the streets Jesus is moving with this crowd moving with him and then as he's moving along he just stops and he and he says these words he goes who touched me Now the disciples immediately thought, this is the craziest thing we've ever heard you say. Because the answer to that question, who touched me is everybody. Like everybody is touching you. Peter's like, Lord, everyone everyone's touching you. We're touching you. They're touching us to touch you. And I'm not even a touchy guy by by nature. I'm a fisherman. I don't like to be touched by random. So I got random strangers touching me to touch you. And everyone's touching. There's a whole heap of touching going on here right now. And I'm not really comfortable with it. And Thomas is like, well, I don't really know if anybody's touching you unless I see their handprint in their garment. Judas is like, handprint in your garment. They better not mess up your garment because we'll make them pay for the dry clean. They've all got different responses, and, and they're and they and they're, they're looking around like, "Yeah, Jesus, everyone, we're pressed in. It's close here." And Jesus, is like, "No, you're all touching me, but somebody touched me. Like, like, like you're all in my vicinity, but somebody moved out of my vicinity and moved immediately into my presence." Like, you're, you're all leaning up against me, and yeah, technically you're touching me. And some of you are touching me. But someone just touched me in a way that is like, I I felt power going out of my body. And as he turned this woman, the Bible says that she's the woman with the issue of blood she's struggled with 12 years as long as Jairus's daughter has been alive she's struggled with the situation and, and it says she spent all her money on remedies she's tried everything to get healed and her situation hasn't grown better in fact it's got worse somewhere in her mind Somewhere in her spirit, she said to herself, I don't need Jesus to stop. I don't need Jesus to talk to me. I don't need to have an appointment. I, I don't need to go. He doesn't even, he can just keep going wherever he's going. All I need to do is touch the the hem, the edge of his garment. And I don't know if I can touch the edge of his garment, then I'm going to be healed. And in this crazy Chaotic, out-of-control environment, she was able to arrest the attention of God and get healed. She prayed a prayer that got God's attention. The Bible says about Elijah in James chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man of like nature, like ours, and he prayed. And then it says in the next verse, and he prayed again. Now, the things that we know about Elijah is number one, Elijah wasn't superhuman with superhuman powers. Uh, uh, Elijah was not perfect. He, He was not, uh, living in unattainable perfection. He was flawed. He was fallible. And he had moments where he was fragile. James said he was a man of like, like nature, just like us. But he prayed and something happened. He prayed unrelenting, undaunting, undaunted, should I say, unwavering prayers of faith and heaven heard and God answered his prayer. In a nation that had lost its way, in a nation that had lost its prayer, In a nation that had walked away from God, there was one man, his name was Elijah, and he prayed prayers that God would hear. Our nation today needs people in the nation who pray prayers that God can hear. America's lost its way. It's lost its footing. It's lost its direction. But I believe that God is raising up a generation of men and women in the kingdom of God who are going to pray prayers that heaven hears and heaven responds to. Am I in a house today where anybody says, God, I want to pray prayers like that? Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout right now. don't quit, don't give up, don't stop praying. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, and there's a lot of them, but there's this woman who has a demon-possessed daughter. Now, I'm I'm not happy because her daughter was demon-possessed. I find it amusing how Jesus responded to her request. Because should any of us respond to anybody here, like Jesus responded to her there, you would leave the church. But but this is Jesus. So Jesus is like hanging out with people and doing ministry. And this woman with a demon-possessed daughter comes up to Jesus and says, hey, will you pray, pray for my daughter and cast out the demon? And Jesus says to her, no. Could you imagine that this morning? We do the big call for prayer. You come charging down here to get anointed. You come up to one of the deacons or one of the pastors and they stand there with a little thing of oil ready to give you a shiny forehead. And uh, you say, hey, can you pray for me? And they're like, no. I- I'm not sure you heard. I- I- I'm on the prayer altar call. Can you pray for me? I'm not sure you heard. No. Like me to spell it for you. No. No, go away. Somebody else pray for you. You would leave. You wouldn't even leave the church after service. You wouldn't even stay for the message. You grab your watermelon and go. You'd be out of here. She's like, no. And she looks at him. She must have given him a look like, what? And he goes, it's not fit to give the children's bread to the little dogs translated number 1 it was insulting it wasn't 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 nice but Jesus is pretty much saying listen you're a gentile I'm not ministering to the gentiles right now I only ministering to the Jews and you're not a Jew so I'm just I'm ministering to them and maybe if I got some time after I've ministered to them I can I can minister to, to you and and and, and none and she says, hang on a second. Even, even the dogs get the crumbs of bread from under the table when it's served. And I don't need you to do a big prayer. I don't need you to give me any attention. Just flick me a crumb. Let me touch the hem of your garment. I don't need a lot of your time. I just need you to heal my daughter. I, I, I don't need to have dinner with you. I don't need to have a conversation with you. I, I don't need to spend any time. I don't need your autograph. I don't need to take a selfie because they too, take too long at the moment because photos aren't even uh, uh, invented right now. and have to be you and me and somebody etching into a bit of it. It would take so long. I don't need any of that. All I need you to do is say the word and my daughter will be free. So say it. Say it, Savior boy. That's pretty much what she said. Jesus reeled back and he's like, oh, bam, that just happened. I haven't seen faith like that anywhere. And he calls the disciples over. And he said, I want you to learn about relentless faith here. I I want you to learn from somebody who wouldn't take no from heaven as an answer. And she pressed through until her daughter God healed. There was nothing super spiritual about the lady. She just had unrelenting, undaunted, unwavering faith that heaven needs to move in the life of my child. And I'm here until heaven moves in the life of my child. I'm going to knock. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm not going to stop knocking. I'm going to keep pressing through until God gives me the answer. Unrelenting, undaunted, unwavering Unmoved faith, I need an answer from you. Elijah was a man of like nature, like ours, and he prayed. In a nation that was silent, Elijah prayed. How do you and I pray prayers that God hears? We have things in our life that we need God to do, and we know only God can do it. Some of you are watching online today and you have needs in your life that you know only God can do this. So we, we need to position ourselves into a place, say, God, come on, I need you to move in my life. And if you don't move, nothing's going to happen. I want to pray prayers that God hears. Anybody else in the house that want to pray prayers that heaven hears? So here's just a couple of thoughts. The first one is simply this. The, the God... Well, the prayer that God hears is a spirit-led prayer. Elijah was a man of like nature and he prayed. Spirit-led prayer begins in conviction. It manifests in confession and it centers itself in connection. So faith-filled or spirit-filled prayers begin in conviction. Jesus said, whatever you ask in prayer, it's going to happen. And you and I need to get a, a, a conviction that if I go before God, that I am convinced I am convicted that God is going to hear my prayer and he's going to respond to my prayer. I'm going to stand before God boldly and I'm going to ask God boldly and courageously. I'm not going to care what anybody else thinks. I'm not going to care what anybody else says. I'm not going to be undaunted by somebody else fobbing me off and saying, no, I'm going to reach through and I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. I know God's busy, but I know that God wants to answer my prayer. And I'm going to ask in faith. I'm convicted that God is going to move in my life. Then it manifests in confession. Jesus said, "Have faith in God. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will receive it, and it will be yours." We've got, a, got. Jesus said, "Listen. Ask. Speak it out. Speak out words of faith. Open your yapper and ask God for breakthrough." We serve a speaking God. Our God is not an idol that we've created in our own hands and put on a shelf and we adore. No, our God is a God that the very, very first thing that He did to make all of this come into place, what was it? He spoke, let there be light. We have a speaking, creative God. And he wants to approach us the same way that he approaches the world. Now, I don't think that God speaks with an American accent. God doesn't speak in English with an American accent. That would be foolish. Everybody knows it is English, but it's an Australian accent. We all know that. Some of you are like, that's not true. How tragic would it be? You die, you go to heaven, you walk to the throne, and God's like, good day, mate, hey, come turns to the angel, Gabriel's like, chuck another shrimp on the barbie. That would just be. So I'm not sure what God, speaks God language, but whatever God language God speaks, faith is the language of God. So he said, I want you to come in. I want you to speak the words of faith. Don't come in grumbling, don't come in complaining, don't come in negative, don't come in down, walk into the throne room boldly. Know what you want from God and start to articulate your your prayers to God in faith and articulate your prayers to God with words and believe that what you say is going to happen. We are, we are convinced it's going to happen and we are confessing it's going to happen. Then it needs to be centered in connection. Centered to the heart of God. John wrote this, he said, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything, everyone say anything. If we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. He taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. So we've got to get our spirit man to pray in alignment with his word, And his will for our life. Now, now I would just say to you that a lot of people make the will of God this really small target that's really hard to hit. And, and the will of God is, is fairly, is fairly wide. And and people like, oh, how, how do I know that I'm in the will of God? You generally know that you're in the will of God through his silence. If, if God's not convicting you, if the Holy Spirit's not sending people to speak to you, if, if you don't feel the conviction of His Spirit, there's a high probability. I'm not saying it's 100%, but but there's a high probability that you are in the will of God if God is silent. when you're at, If you want to be in the will of God and you're out of the will of God, I found that God will tell me, get back in. And when my girls were little and they were playing and they were in my will and I was happy, I didn't hover over them. You girls are in my will. I like that you're playing happy. This is good. I like I like your good behavior. Keep, keep, keep playing well. I, I like that. You're in my will. No, but when they stepped out of my will and I do it, hey, don't do that. They, they heard me loudly when, and God is a light like that. For me anyway, it may not be like that for you, but I found if I'm walking in his will, and, and I know that I'm walking in his will because I'm walking in accordance to his word. If I'm deliberately sinning and I know I'm sinning, I know I'm not in His will. And His word will convict me that I'm not in His will. But when you're praying, if you pray in His will, spirit-driven prayers are not the same as flesh-driven prayers. James said, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So James said, Elijah was a man of like nature and he prayed and prayers happened. He says, but in our nature, just like Elijah, we have the spirit nature and the flesh nature. Now, what James is pointing to here is that you can pray prayers that heaven is silent to because you are not praying in the will of God. And how do I know I'm not praying in the will of God? Because I'm in such a jealous rage that I'm angry and I'm quarreling. And he says I'm murdering. So I know that quarreling and being angry and murdering is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the flesh. And so I'm asking for my flesh to be fulfilled. And God says, Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. I, I, you're not my God, I'm God, and that's not going to help you. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to kill that person for you. So we pray prayers that 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 are flesh, but and let's be real, we, we probably should be really glad God doesn't answer some of our prayers. Ever prayed a prayer that you were happy God didn't answer? Elijah prayed like we prayed, but then he got under a broom tree and he prayed that he would die. Not a good prayer. And I, I, I presume that it wasn't long after that he was like, thank you, Lord, for not answering that prayer. Because there's just some prayers that you're glad God didn't answer. When, before my mom passed, she had Alzheimer's. She had it for quite a while. We eventually had to put her in a home. And it was horrible. I I hated seeing my mom like that. My mum was an amazing woman. She was a godly woman. And uh, I I grew up in a house of love and affection and never lacked. And and, and when she got Alzheimer's, she didn't really know who I was, didn't know who my dad was. And there were sparks of time that she would know who I was, but it would last seconds. And I remember going to the, the home that she was in one day to visit her and, and she was sitting and she actually looked like she was dead when I got there in a terrible condition. And so I, I I held my mom and put my mom's head on my, my shoulder and and just held her for a while. And I prayed this prayer, God, God, take her home now. Take her home now. Take her home while she's in my arms. Just, just just, let her pass now and go into heaven. I had this moment and then she didn't. She didn't die. And they took her back to the room and I went back to my, my dad's place. I was walking down the road back to my, my dad's house. I thought to myself, oh, I'm really glad you didn't answer that prayer. Like, I don't know what romantic notion I had in my head about that prayer that she would pass and I'd be like, no, my mother just went to hell. I don't know what I was thinking, but all I know about halfway home, I was really glad God didn't answer that prayer. And then later on, I gave it some more thought and I was even more happy. God, could, could you imagine anything worse as a pastor to be known as the guy that prayed the prayer that killed his mother? <laughs> Like, I'd be down here with a little bottle of oil today ready to pray for you, and you'd come and forget me saying no. You'd take one look at me and say, no. <laughs> I'm going to someone who didn't kill his mother. Like, like I, I'm glad God didn't answer that. There's been many times in my life I prayed prayers, and later on I thought, God, I'm glad that you are massively smarter than me. He said, you ask and you don't receive because you're asking out of The flesh, you're asking out of the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. None of those things work for you. Here's what happens when we go into the prayer room because you can go in the prayer room and have flesh and spirit warring. Uh, I, I, I think it was Finney said this. It says prayer doesn't change God, but it changes us. And it renders us consistent for God to be able to do what God always intended to do. Here's the next thing. Prayer that God hears is the prayer of faith. Elijah was a man of like nature, like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. There's a Jewish saying that says, he who surrounds his house with walls, he who prays surrounds his house with walls stronger than iron. When we pray and we operate in faith, we just have to get comfortable in the place that all faith is a journey. It starts off small and it grows big. We tend to quit on prayer because we hear of someone's magnificent prayer that you're like, "Oh, I don't know if I could believe for that." And, and you're just starting out. Some of you are brand new Christians, you just fresh with Jesus. Don't really understand what all this is about, trying to work it out. And, and I would just say to you, chill out, it's OK, we're all like that at one point. Don't stress. But just start to ask God, take, take steps of faith. Where is your faith? Bible says you can have the faith, the grain of a mustard seed. It's not real big, but it can have big results. When I started out as a brand new believer, I was praying for just small things. Praying for $10 here, $100 here, do this here. And God answered that. And those, those small faith prayer victories lead to bigger faith prayers later on. And today I'm able to believe for big, when I started out in ministry, I believe that God would heal people, but I was always surprised when God healed people. Like I believe that God would heal. It says in his word, I believe his word. But I'm going to be honest with you. I, I wasn't really fully convinced that when I prayed for you, that you would get healed. I had, I had a lady bring her daughter for prayer. And I can't remember what the, the condition was, but I prayed over the daughter on the Sunday and sent them home. The next week, the mum came back to me and she said, Pastor John, you prayed for my daughter last week. I'm like, Yeah, I did. And she said, This week they removed her colostomy bag. I didn't realize that was a good thing. I thought your colostomy bag was like in you, like a lung. I'm not a doctor. And so I looked at her, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's, sorry my prayer didn't work. And she's like, no, no, she got healed. She got healed. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Just testing your faith. I was like. <laughs> Elijah had a journey of prayer and it began in the wilderness. Elijah steps out onto the pages of Bible history and and makes this confession, it's not going to rain. He didn't actually make a prayer, he just makes a proclamation. Probably has already made the prayer in secret, in hiding. So we don't know how intense that prayer was or how long he's been, but it's all been done in secret. He steps out and his ministry begins. But it's always a a, a journey, and I want to encourage you on the journey because there's some things that can rob our faith. We we can think that heaven's in short supply, and I don't know if I can ask that because that's a really big thing to ask. I don't know if I can ask God for money or I can ask God for a job. I don't know if I I can ask God to heal my, my headache because I met somebody the other day with a tumor and God really needs to heal them. I'm not sure God can heal me. I'm telling you, God is not running on a limited supply of healing. God's not running on a limited supply of blessing. God is not running on a limited supply of resources. God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that you could hope or think or dare to imagine. According to what? The Bible talks about doing things according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So whatever need you have, measure the need up against the riches that he has in Christ. And I'm sure that you will discover or realize, man, there is nothing I can ask that God cannot answer. Sometimes we don't, we don't ask because we don't think we're worthy. We don't think we're good enough. We don't think we're eloquent enough. Sometimes we don't ask, not because we don't think that we're worthy, but we don't think that the content of our prayer is worthy. I'm not sure I'm asking the right, the right way. It's not what, it, it's the heart. You may not be the most eloquent person. It doesn't matter. Ask with the spirit of faith. Some people do it thinking they've got to earn the answer. And some people think that God needs a little bit of convincing and help. And so we'll pray, but then we'll start to do it ourselves. James 1, 5, verse 8 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Let him ask God who gives generously. If you, if you lack, let him ask God who gives generously. You ask God and God's gonna give generously to or without reproach and it will be given him but let him ask in faith no doubting for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that person must suppose that he will receive nothing uh, will not receive anything from the Lord he is double-minded unstable in all his ways so when we come to God you come in the throne room and you're asking boldly fully convinced that God will do what God said he would do James says is anyone among you suffering let him pray is any anyone cheerful let him sing praise is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord that's why we did that a little bit earlier today and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven we learned from the scripture that the, that the prayer that gets God's attention, the prayer that God hears is not seasonal. That we are called to pray in season and out of season. We are called to pray when we feel like praying and when we don't feel like praying. We are called to pray when we're suffering and we're called to pray when everything is being celebrated. We are, we are called to pray when it's good and when it's bad to get in the prayer room with God. We're not running to him just when things are bad or staying away just when things are good. We are, we are coming to him when it's bad and we're coming to him when it's good. The Bible says, let him pray. Let your requests be known to God. If it's, if you're struggling and you're in trauma and there are issues and there are problems, then you come to God and you pray. Let him pray. Let your requests be known to God. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I, I, I need your healing in my life right now. Then it says here, let, let him sing Psalms. So it says, when things are good, sing Psalms. When things are bad, pray. When things are good, sing psalms. In other words, come in and let your prayer be a prayer of celebration. Sometimes the only time some Christians pray, not you, the other ones, the other guys, not you, you're awesome, especially the people online, super awesome. They are. But sometimes the only time we pray is when things are going wrong. I was certainly like that when I was unsaved. My mum prayed me into the kingdom of God. But I was away, I was a long way away from God for about five years of my, my all my teenage years. I was away from God. But I had a praying mum. And I knew enough about God and God had healed me from an injury that I knew God was real, that whenever it went bad, I'd pray. God never heard from me, never heard from me at all when things were going good. But when, th- when I do something really dumb, I remember there was this one time that I borrowed a motorbike from a total stranger and didn't return it to their house ever because they didn't know I borrowed it. And I remember praying to God, Oh, God, please don't get me arrested." I was like, that's not even a word, son. I pray, God, I'm sorry. Dude. There were multiple times I did things that were really, really bad. And I'm like, God, if you... And then I remember I remember, God would always answer my prayer. And then I remember one day going, oh, if only I could pray when things were good. But that's all I do. I'd only pray when things... Some of you heard this story before, but I had a girl at work who had abnormal bleeding. And, and she came to me. We were both, you know, had too many, too many Coca-Colas with... Rum flavoring and was late at night and she was like, to- opening up about all this abnormal bleeding. I was, I was not sober. And so I said to her, there's only one person who can heal you and that's God. It's not a conversation you expect to have between two drunk people. And, and she's like, huh? I'm like, go. And, and the only person I knew who was a Christian was my mother. So I said, get in the car. I'm going to drive you to my mom's place. My mom's going to pray for you, and you're going to get healed. I am nowhere near God right now. So I drive to my mother's place, drunk. And this was my prayer driving. I said to God, God, I'm doing you a favor. You better not get me arrested. (laughs) I'm sure God was like, hey, thanks, bud. You're the man. We knocked on my mom's doors like 2 a.m. in the morning. And my mom comes out. What do you, I said, Mom, you need to pray for her. She's going to get healed. And, uh, and we did. We prayed for that girl. And the next morning she came up to me at work and she said, I'm healed. Like, like, like God healed me last night. I am healed. And I went to her, don't tell anybody. Never happened. Don't remember it. Way too many. It's like, and that was me. I was only, and, and some of us do that as Christians. We only come to God when we have something to need. But James said, listen, if, if things are going good, come into his, enter his courts with thanksgiving, enter his, enter his house with praise, come in to the throne room of God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's just times we're going to come into the house of God with celebration in our heart." Daddy God, I'm here. I love you. Our Father who art in heaven. God, I thank you that you're in a position that you see things totally different than I see them. We begin our prayer realizing that what is big for me is microscopic to God. What is, what is difficult for me is easy for God. God doesn't see things the way we see them. I was living in Seattle, I flew out of the city and it was raining. It was typical Seattle weather. It was wet. It was gray. It was miserable. But as soon as that plane got out of the clouds, on the other side of the clouds, it was blue and it was sunshine and you would have thought you're in a different state. And I realized when that was happening, that's the difference between my perspective and God's perspective. My perspective is under the clouds, under the rain, under the gloom, under the storm. God's above the storm. And he sees the end before the beginning, that God knows what he's going to do. And so when we come in, we come in with that, my father, you're in heaven. I I, I, I love you that you have, hallowed be your name. Oh, you just just pray on the covenant, uh, covenant names of God. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're the Lord God that sees my need and provides my need. Anybody grateful that he's Jehovah Jireh? Life is out of control, stressful. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are the Lord, my God, my peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep my heart and mind in the knowledge of Him. You are Jehovah Ra. You are Jehovah Rophe. You're the God who heals. You're the Lord, my shepherd. You're Jehovah Witness. You're the one who stands at the door and knocks. That's not true. I just made that up. Just threw that in there. See if you're awake. People online are they're pushing pause and rewinding. Did he just say that? So we come into the courts of God with, with, with love and, 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 and not just because we need to, but because we want to. So God says, if you have need, come in. And if you don't have need, come in. If you're suffering, come in. If you're celebrating, come in. And then, then he goes on and, and, and he says to us, there are going to be times that you're going to call other people in to pray with you. Sometimes we just need to have people. That's, that's why it's great being a part of the church because sometimes you'll get yourself into a position where it's beyond suffering. So you don't feel like you can pray. Definitely not celebrating. But you need to call on the elders and get the prayer of faith. That's why church is so important to us. That's why small groups, I encourage you, if you're not in a a life group, get in a life group. Get a small group of friends in church. Then a church can be huge, but you always got a network of people who can pray for you. I remember being in a situation once struggling, didn't really want to pray and had two friends fly into town and my whole life was turned around because two people took time out to pray for me. And it gets like that sometimes. Maybe it's like that today. Maybe you're like, Oh, I don't know if I can pray for my son anymore. I don't know if I can pray for my daughter anymore. I don't know if I can pray for my spouse anymore. I'm done. Well, you need to pray. Yeah, I'm done. Well, then you call on the elders. You ask people to pray with you. That's, so we do that in prayer. But maybe, maybe when we prayed earlier, you're like, yeah, that was cute. I need some more prayer. So you come up after the service. You come down the front and you grab one of the pastors and you say, can you please pray for me? That was cool before, but I, I need someone to really pray. Well, I need, need someone who's going to go in the throne room of heaven and pray for me. I need it to be someone who's bold enough to start punching demons in the face. And so there's times when you pray because you're suffering, you've just prayed. There's times where you celebrate, so you rejoice. And there's times where you're like, I can't do either of that. And so you call people in and get them to agree in faith with you. The prayer that God hears is not complicated, but it is compelling. Elijah was a man like nature, like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years. He prayed fervently. Elijah prayed differently in pretty much every situation. Elijah was a, 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 a man who prayed fervently in behind closed doors and then stepped out and it won't it's not going to rain. And then he prayed differently when he was at the Brook Cherith. He prayed differently when he prayed over uh, the widow's son to be risen from the dead. And now when he goes up onto a mountain and he calls down fire, he prays fervently for the fire to fall. And it really is just a faith confession. But then when he prays for rain, he prays differently. Still passionately, but he prays differently. And he puts his head between his knees, and he just starts crying out, God, we need rain. God, we need rain. God, we need rain. God, we need rain. He gets his servant. He says, go and look to see if it's raining. Servant goes away, comes back, and says, um, nothing. And so he prays again. God, we need rain. God, we need rain. God, we need rain. God, let it rain. God, let it rain. Let it rain. He says, go and look again. Ah, uh, don't know how to break it to you, nothing. And then he said, okay, I oh, don't need rain. God, rain drops and falling on my hand. I don't need rain. God, uh, look, uh, seven t- seven times. He comes back the last time. He goes, well, a little bit better than before, not great. I see a cloud size of a man's hand. And Elijah goes, that's all we need. Get ready, it's going to pour. There's a, a little sign, one little sign, We'd all flicker, one little sign. That's all we need. We know We know it's going to be. I don't know who you're praying for right now, but the sign may be a little cloud, a little flicker. Like I'm, this is, my, my mom's praying for me for five years and her little cloud was me saying, oh, I, I'm going to go to church with you tonight. Now, I didn't go to church with her because I was thought about getting saved. I went to church with her because I was leaving town and I knew that would make her happy. I'm leaving home, I'm moving away, I'm leaving town, I'll go to church, it can't hurt. But my mum saw a cloud the size of a man's hand and that's what eventually led me to getting saved. And so you got to pray, you've got to pray. Charles Finney said, Prevailing prayer is that which secures an answer. Saying prayers is not offering prevailing prayer. The prevalence of prayer does not depend so much on the quantity as on the quality. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The New King of the James Bible says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective prayer is targeted. It is deliberate. It is calculated. It is intentional. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Please, we we, we see that when you're praying, you're effective. We want to pray like that. And effective prayer does not need to be spectacular prayer. Says in Matthew, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, he didn't say if you pray. What did he say? He said when you pray. When you pray, he says, when you pray, just shh, go away. Don't do not do it in a way that, that you impress other people. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a prayer meeting where people are praying and they are so eloquent and they're using such big words that you are like, yeah, no, you know, they hand you a microphone to pray and you're like, yeah, pass. Because you're intimidated by their prayer. Now, There's nothing wrong with being in a prayer meeting. There's nothing wrong with praying. Not, nothing wrong with praying eloquently. But the motivation is not the words I say, but the response I get that people look at me and they go, "Man, that guy is really spiritual." Cuz look at the words that he uses. Well, that guy's really spiritual cuz he is louder than everybody else. Well, that guy's really spiritual cuz he dressed, look at the size of the cross around his neck. And Jesus said, that "Those things don't really matter." Go to the secret place, my Father who sees in secret. Uh, effective prayer is not spectator prayer. He says, don't, "Don't." Jesus said, "Don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do." So some people pray prayers that that use a lot of words that 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 sound phenomenal, but Jesus said, "Listen, they they think they're going to get their answer." For the many words that they use, but Jesus said, I, I don't want you to be like them. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person. So you go in, you know what you're going to say, how you're going to pray, use your own language, use your own words, use your own phraseology. Just be you, be, be intentionally, honestly you. Don't try to replicate somebody else. I'm always amazed. And how many people in the prophetic ministry feel the need to speak in King James English. Like it always amazes me that everyday normal American people who speak to you like this when they're speaking will go into the prophetic and then it's like, yay! For yay, the Lord would say yay and verily and then they start speaking a, a 400-year-old language because somehow they think that's what God speaks, and, and it sounds way more, way more spiritual than they say. Hey, I think God's telling you to do this. So I, God's like, that doesn't really, that doesn't, that doesn't really impress me. Some people pray ready, fire, aim prayers. They, they're not, they're not structured to make a a difference. But prayer is more than just lobbying words into the atmosphere, hoping God will grab one. It's intentional. I was driving with my grandson, Marcus, who's a spectacular human, uh, who doesn't like my song lists. And so I have to listen in the car to his song list. And so I've come up with great worship songs like Baby shark, to do doo do to do Baby shock to do-to-do Baby shock to do-to-do-to-do baby shock. Grandma And then Spidey, Ghost Spider, Spin, Webs out, Whoa, whoa, get ready and and it's raining tacos from out of the sky. Tacos. Don't need to ask why, just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos, it's raining tacos. Well, yeah. And and we were, we listened to one of his playlists the other day. This song came on, and I thought that is literally God listening in heaven and how people pray. Listen to this. Turn it up a bit. Hello, hello. Uh, is anyone there? What a Hello? Hello? Is there someone on the line? Hello? What Hello? Hello? Uh, hello, speak up. You know what time it is? What I thought, that that must be heaven sometimes. People go into the prayer room and God's like, hello? Hello? Anybody there? Hello? We're like, watermelon, meow, meow. Because I turn the air. what did they just say? Something about watermelon, something about meow, meow. Because that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, they're just lobbing syllables into the air. I know they're supposed to be effective, fervent prayer. They're just really fervent. About nothing. Father God, 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 Father, God, Father. God, Father, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Holy Ghost, Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, 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 Jesus, Jesus. God, God, Jesus, Jesus. God, Holy Ghost, Father, Trinity. God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It sounds spiritual, but not. you're not saying anything at all, nothing. It'd be like, just say you needed something from me. You, 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 we're giving watermelon away. It was, I wanted to give watermelon and cats away, but we just went with watermelon um, after service. And just say you... You know, you wanted some watermelon. You're in a line, and no one's given you... And you come up to me, can I get you a bit of watermelon? And, and he just walked up to me and go, John, 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 Pastor John, John, Pastor, John! Pastor, John Morgan, John Morgan, come on in! Do you need something? Well, I'm out, meow-meow. It's like... <laughs> There's going to be something where we go into the throne room of prayer that is directed to the ears of God, not the applause of man. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus said, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like religious people. Don't pray to impress everybody else because when someone pats them on the back and says, you're an amazing prayer person, they have their reward. And that's not what we're chasing. We're not chasing to impress people with our words. We're we're, we're chasing moving God with our words so things happen in the spirit. And so be less worried about how you say what you say. Just know what you're saying and go into the throne room boldly and start asking God prayers of faith. And what's done in secret will be rewarded openly. Elijah was a man of like nature, like ours. Russell, you can, the team can come up. And he prayed. Elijah was a man of like nature, like our spirit and flesh. Great prayers of faith. Equal prayers of stupidity. But, but James is saying, listen, I, I, I know he sounds like a super saint, but he wasn't. He was a man just like you, a person just like you. He wasn't, he wasn't loved by God any more than God loves you. God, God wasn't impressed with him any more than God's impressed with you. But he prayed and things happened. If you're like me, I'm like God, I, I need to see things happen. I, I've, I've seen the prayer requests that have been coming in. We had people put prayer requests on the stage last week. I took them to my office. I'm taking them away with me this week. I'm praying for a son that's away from God, that his dad put a prayer request in some time ago, and pray for my boy. Pull that prayer request out. This week was praying over that. I'm taking that to Africa with me until we see a turnaround. Why? Because these things matter. There's needs. And I, I'm not satisfied with with just prayer requests. I want to see prayer results. Is anybody else in the house like that? Like I, I'm not satisfied. This is what I'm not satisfied with. I'm not satisfied with saying, "Hey guys, I'm your pastor. Got your prayer request in, and you should be grateful because I'm praying for you." That's not what I'm. That's n- no. I, I I want to pray prayers that God hears, and I want I want to see. You put in a praise report. But a young guy in our church, not so long, come up on a Wednesday night service, and I'm praying for a friend of mine. He's going through rehab right now. Can you pray for him? He put his name down. I put it up on my, my desk, and every day I prayed over it. God, God, God. And then that young man was in church not so long ago and still praying for him that God's going to move significantly. So we want to pray. I want you to join me, if you can, on Labor Day. I'm going to have a 7 o'clock prayer meeting on the Monday morning of Labor Day. Um, and if no one comes, I'm good to pray on my own. But if you can join me, believe God for miracles, that would be great. If you have prayer requests today that you need somebody to be praying over and you haven't put one in yet, can you fill that out? Can you put it in the, the, well, actually come and lay them on the stage down here and somebody will give them to me before we go to out tonight and I'll pray over them. And I'm, again, I'm not my, Passion is not to be able to say to you, hey, I'm praying for you. What I'm asking God is, God, they need miracles. And some of the things that you're asking God for are breaking your heart. Breaking your heart. If you're praying over your kids, I know it's breaking your heart. And I I want to see the miracle happen. I'm calling our church. Can we start praying again? We, can we get a, a fresh passion in our own personal life and collective life to be seeking the face of God and praying prayers that, that garner the attention of heaven?